Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Happy Friday, everybody. It's time for Options Action. Here's what we got lined up for you. Bringing it home. The interest rate ripples spread out all the way to your regional bank. Carter Worth charts the course. Then, it seems everything always comes back to Apple in some way, too. Now, doesn't it? Tony Zhang sees the orchard through the trees. And finally, coming or going, Professor Mike Coe tests the Doppler effect around Target. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. Let's get right to it. Rates rocking Wall Street this week as the 10-year yield jumped to its highest level in more than a year. And our chart master says the bond breakdown could have investors cashing out of one key area in the market. Carter, take it away. Well, the great irony, of course, is that yields collapsed today. The long bond was up two points. Um, uh, basically, a great spike in rates. A lot of people saw opportunity there buying bonds. The question is, though, are regional banks and banks in general and broker-dealers ahead of themselves? That's the premise. Let's look at four charts. The first one is the KRE. This is an ETF that matches the Standard & Poor's Regional Bank Index, symbol KRE. And what you have here is going back to the pre-financial crisis, 2006. And then I've uh, used the 150-day moving average to show just how far above trend we are. So you have a V-bottom and you're right back to an all-time high. And to consider that Fed funds are basically zero now, very important for regional banks, when they were 225 base points higher the last time we were here. Second chart, same chart, but I've drawn a line exactly along the high. And we got to that level and we uh, failed dramatically. I mean, regional banks literally spiking right to the former high and backing away aggressively uh, this week. Third chart, it's the same thing, but uh, brought in a tighter just over the last three years. As you can see quite precisely, an attempted breakout, uh, but in principle, before you can really exceed a former high, you contend with it. You back and fill or back away. And that is indeed what happened today. And then finally, uh, really up close and personal, just the one-year chart. And you can see the channel that KRE has been in. It's very well defined. And after uh, basically breaking out of the above of the upper band, which is an, a move of excess, you're likely to check back to the middle or lower uh, range of the band. So that's considerably lower from here. We're a seller of KRE. Final, a table. Just to put this in perspective, six months, what do we know? KRE is up 70%. I mean, small caps are up 40, S&P is up 10. It's just priced for perfection. Take profits if you're long, sell short if you're interested in selling short. I didn't realize the outperformance was that extreme, Carter. That's amazing. Mike, what's the trade? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Of course, we're taking a look at this uh, regional bank index. This thing is up close to 24% year to date. People who've been watching this show for a while are going to remember that financials were actually one of my favorite sectors going into the new year. And there were a number of reasons for that. Obviously, coming out of the pandemic, looking for an economic rebound, that would be one reason. Maybe lower uh, you know, credit or loan loss provisions and costs for banks. Obviously, that would be a positive. And the expectations for a steepening yield curve and all of those things have propelled the sector considerably. Add to that the fact that if you take a look at their balance sheets, they weren't particularly overpriced and even now arguably are not. You know, the average, I think, tangible book is about one times right now for the regional bank index. That said, 
a move this sharp and this pronounced over this period of time, combined with the fact that the market itself has been on fire for a little bit and then we hit some roadblocks, it might be a time to at least hit the pause button. And so this, the trade that I was looking at on KRE is more of a pause trade than it is an outright bearish trade. I was looking out to April selling the 65.70 call spread. You could collect about $1.90 for that, very close to the 40% or so that we like to get for an upside credit spread if we're selling. Remember that KRE also play, pays a uh, dividend. We're expecting to get that. So when you think about it, even if you continue to hold the ETF, let's say you have this in your portfolio and you don't want to sell it, you might even just consider selling this uh, call spread as a way to enhance your yield. You're going to cut a 40 cent dividend, $1.90, so a total of $2.30. That would yield you about 3.6% or just under in about two months. So I think this is a trade that you could do if you want to fade the space, if you think it's going to hit the pause button, or even if you're just long either this ETF or some of the constituents of it, this is a way that you could look to try to take advantage of the fact that options premiums are about double now what they were before the pandemic hit. So it was about 20% implied volatility before all that. It's about 40% now. So there's a number of reasons why you might want to take a look at a trade like this one. Tony, where'd you stand on the uh, KRE and this trade? Yeah, so I completely agree with Mike here in terms of my views on KRE are far more neutral rather than bearish because Carter's charts are very compelling. You have that $66 all-time high when it was rejected at that level. I certainly think that puts a cap here on KRE but also the yields getting rejected at 150 basis points. That resistance level really, in my opinion, puts more of a neutral view on KRE, especially because of the economic recovery. Because if yields stabilize here and the economic recovery continues, I think you have some potential upside here for KRE. So for those reasons, I do like Mike's trade. He's using a credit spread here where we're typically trying to collect about one third of the width, but in his case, he's collecting 38% of the width. That means he's collecting more income. He he has less risk on this overall trade. So for those reasons, I really like the fact that even if, if even if KRE breaks above its all-time high, his break-even price is just shy of $67. So uh, for those reasons, even if it moves a little bit higher, you're, you can still be profitable on this trade. All right, let's move on from banks to big tech. It has been a rough week for the tech sector, the XLK ETF. The tracks the space down nearly 3%. But Tony Zhang says there's a light at the end of the tunnel for one big titan in this group. Tony, what are you looking at? Yeah, I want to take a look at Apple, and I want to take a longer-term view here on Apple, especially after what has been a record quarter on earnings, both on top and bottom line. And I want to take advantage of the multiple contraction that we have seen here over the past few weeks as the long opportunity here for the stock. Now, if we look at the chart, on an absolute basis, the stock is trading just near uh, what I would consider a fairly major support level at 120, and it's currently also oversold here in the short run. But on an absolute basis, the stock hasn't performed very well against the technology sector and is actually trading near a multi-month uh, support level here. So for those reasons, I think the risk-reward ratio on an absolute and relative basis favor the long side. And if we look at the business, I don't think Apple's business has ever been stronger here. The services side of the business continues to grow at a pretty fast pace, which now account for 31% of their revenue. Uh, the MacBook Pros have now been moved off of the Intel chips, which makes uh, their ability to sell services across the entire ecosystem of hardware, I think, is extremely strong. And for those reasons, I think the stock currently trading at 27 times next year's earnings is fairly reasonable for a stock that's currently growing at the pace that they are despite the size. So the trade structure that I want to use is to take a longer term view on the stock itself 
by utilizing options to help me acquire the stock at a discount by using a cash secured put. So the trade I'm using here is the April 120 puts. I'm selling the April 120 puts and earlier today, I can collect just a little over $5, $5.05 on this trade, taking advantage of the relatively elevated implied volatility we've seen in Apple as it's sold off here over the past couple of weeks. And when you sell a put option like this, you're obligating yourself to buy the stock if the stock is below the 120 strike price at expiration minus the, the premium that you're collecting. So the net uh, uh, cost basis effectively of owning the stock would be just shy of 115. And that translates to about a 4% discount compared to placing a limit order at 120 to, play, to buy the stock, or roughly about a 26 times multiple of next year's earnings, which is a price that I feel fairly comfortable owning this stock at. Carter, how does the chart look given what we've seen from its recent highs, well, given what we've seen this week? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, in the category arrested champion, which is to say Apple was a strong leader. It beats the market from the pandemic low all the way to the March spike high. That's the day um, in September where the S&P dropped 10%. Why did it drop 10%? Because Apple and Adobe and Amazon drop considerably. And this stock is the same price it was on September 1st, 2nd. That's what arrested champion is. I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to get long. Yeah, Mike, what do you think of the trade? Yeah, so I mean, I definitely favor strategies like cash covered put sales as an investment strategy, a way to get into stocks that you want to own, maybe collect a little bit of yield, find an attractive price point where you think it's a compelling investment. And of course, Apple, because it doesn't uh, carry net debt, is one of the places where it's a little bit safer to get involved in a strategy like this, not to mention the fact that Apple itself, I mean, their revenues are going to be, what, one and a half percent of U.S. GDP for the full year in 2021. I think their earnings last year were greater than the bottom 80 percent of the S&P combined. And if you own an Apple device and you're in their infrastructure, then you probably subscribe to their services and you know just how sticky it is. Chances are your household is not going to switch. You will be buying 5G phones. You do depend on Apple CarPlay and they have 40% gross margins. I mean, there's uh, a lot to like with Apple. The only thing that makes me nervous about selling puts in this environment is what we saw this week, frankly, and that is that we can have some material setbacks. And I don't know necessarily that this is a one and done situation, but as an investment strategy, generally what Tony's doing here makes a lot of sense and people should consider it in this stock and others. Apple sounds like a heavy weighting in the Holly Index, Mike. It is, absolutely. I don't see any way that I'm ever going to switch to an Android device. <laughs> All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Right on target or target on its back? Professor Mike Coe plays with sentence structure. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Let's take a look at another huge week of earnings coming up. Zoom, Box, Costco, Broadcom, Gap, all on deck to report. One big name in focus, Target. The retail giant has been on a roller coaster ride to start 2021, and Mike says that ride might be about to get a lot bumpier. He's here with a call to action. Mike, take it away. 
Yeah, so I, I want to point out first that uh, I don't take issue with Target fundamentally. I think that this is a company that's making a lot of the right moves right now. We've seen really pronounced sales growth in the digital online area, and I think that is obviously a real strength. The other thing I like about Target is the fact that they can leverage their bricks and mortar essentially to improve their supply chain for those online sales. I think that's a great strength. We've seen Home Depot do things like that. The other thing I would say that at only about 20, 21 times earnings for the full year, probably nine bucks in EPS, maybe a little bit better at 180 bucks and change, only trading 20, 21 times. It's actually trading cheap to many of its comps. That said, I will say that it is trading quite rich to itself. And, you know, sometimes when you start to see stocks run towards the upper end of their own historical valuations, you can run into a little bit of trouble. We've also seen a number of stocks that have been reporting earnings lately really provide some really great numbers, but then fail to perform particularly well just simply because so much good news has already been baked in. So taking a look at that, if you happen to own Target, you might want to take a look at a way to potentially hedge it, or if you think that the earnings might lead to a little bit of a setback like we've seen in some of these other areas, one way that you might take a look at trying to trade that is by using a put diagonal. I was looking at the March 170 April 180 put diagonal. So I'm buying those April 180 puts, selling the March 170 puts against it. Net net, I'm going to lay out about $4.85. Bear in mind that because we have this upcoming catalyst in the form of earnings, near dated options premiums are going to be elevated. We're trying to capture the fact that there's going to be a lot of decay in those short dated options and own that longer dated put. And this is a reason why when we're using a diagonal like this, you can either do this as an outright trade. If Target just trades sideways, this is likely to be profitable. If you happen to own the stock or other retail names and are concerned about all the earnings that are coming up, this is a trade you can also consider in case there is a little bit of a setback. And then again, this is an issue where we're basically wondering whether the stock might hit some resistance here. Not that they really have big fundamental flaws with the company, because in general, I happen to like that story. Hmm. Carter, no surprise, you've got some charts. What do they show? <laughs> sure. Well, first, the table, just to uh, put this in perspective, one-year performance. And while they're all a bit different, they're all marquee brands. Target, Walmart, Home Depot, Costco. They're all up 10% and Target's up 60. Now, they've all started to roll over. And one technique in markets is when a group starts to falter, find one that hasn't and go after it. It's first chart. Target, Walmart, Home Depot, Costco. The other three have started to roll. Target's just continued on. Again, up 60% on a one-year basis. Second chart, Target itself. We just this week started to break trend, the trend that's been in effect since the March low. Final chart, same chart, but I've got the 150-day moving average included. I think that's where we're headed, and that is a good, uh, decent downside sell-off from here. Hmm. Tony, what do you make of these charts? Mike's trade, whatever you want. <laughs> so. I actually quite agree with Mike in terms of the fundamentals here. Target, while relatively rich to itself, is actually not quite expensive compared to Walmart and Costco, and I think that's part of why we've seen this stock hold up so well. Mike said Target is currently trading about 20, 21 times next year's earnings. Walmart's closer to 25, and Costco's at closer to 33. So that's part of why I think the stock is fairly reasonably priced around these levels, but as we've seen the multiple contraction across the whole sector, I do have some concerns that you'll see that as well on target uh, next year, next week on earnings. So the, the key level here from the charts that I'm paying attention to is the 180 level. And for those reasons, I like Mike's trade where he's using a diagonal, because even if target holds that 180 level next week on earnings, the decay on the short 
leg of his diagonal is largely going to offset the decay on the long leg. So he's not going to see any substantial losses if target stays around this level. And if you do get a break below the 180 level, you should probably see a fairly substantial move to the downside quickly, similar like we've seen in Walmart and Costco. And because he's paying less than the width of the spread here, he doesn't have a, a risk to the downside. So even if the target does fall apart, it is profitable to the downside. So for those reasons, I like the trade setup that Mike has here using the diagonal. Mike, last word. Yeah, I mean, what we're seeing in Target is actually very similar to what we're seeing in a lot of stocks that are going to be reporting. And I think it's a function of two things, the volatility that we got in the market, the volatility that we got in rates, and of course, the catalyst that presents earnings. A lot of options premiums remain elevated in the short term. If you hold these stocks, you can use things like call diagonals to try to capture a little bit of yield or hedge if you're interested in trying to take advantage of what the options market is setting up right now. All right. Up next, Yeti shares cooling in the past week. We'll tell you what it means for one of our traders. Plus, you ask, we're answering. Send us your burning options questions on our Twitter handle at Options Action. You might just get your answers on air. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at one of our open trades. Earlier this month, Mike said Yeti might be a good way to lock in some ice cold gains. If you bought the March at the money straddle, this stock would need to move 16.5%, either higher or lower before you would begin to see any profits. So when I take a look at that, to me, this actually speaks to what we were talking about earlier in the show. You want to try to take advantage of that situation by selling those overpriced options. I was looking at the March 80 calls and the March 65 puts. I could sell each of those for $3 and $2.60 respectively. That Doing that trade, I would collect about $5.60. And then I can use those proceeds to help finance the purchase of a longer dated May at the money 72.5 call for $9.10. So is this trade insulated heading into March expiry? Mike, what do you do? Yeah, so this is a really interesting situation because if you did this trade shortly after we recommended it, the stock actually ran right up to that $80 short call strike. And you know, some people who did that may have already taken some profits because of course your profits would have been capped above that level. But what do you do if you didn't take profits when you had that chance and now the stock has actually fallen below where it was trading when we first talked about this trade. Well, we have an interesting situation here because the options that we're short still have a significant amount of premium. Normally, in the lower volatility environment, we would probably look to cover those, but there's still a decent amount of premium there, more than $4 for that 65 put and that 80 strike call. So my inclination is actually to stay with this trade right now. Here's what could happen. If the stock falls below that $65 strike put, we're gonna end up owning it basically at that strike plus the premium we paid. That's about $68, which as it happens is exactly where the stock is trading right now. Remember, it was about 72 when we first started talking about it. So this is one of those situations where we still have a little bit of time and we need it to play out. But you know, we are going to have turned out to have been better off doing this options trade than had we bought the stock right there by you know about four and a half dollars a share or so. Hmm. Carter, what do you make of the charts? It's intact. I mean, obviously, it did come to life uh, post-judgment to get long. It's fallen back, but it's essentially where it was. And, and the premise here is this is uh, a stock that will be higher, not lower, looking out three to six months. Stay long. All right. Up next, we've got your tweets and the final call. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first viewer asks, with Walmart dipping, I was looking at the June 150 call. It cost lower than one share to get the run-up after earnings in May. Do you have thoughts? Interesting, since we just talked about Target. Mike, why don't you take this one? Yeah, so uh, a couple things I like about your trade for sure. Number one, I'd rather buy call options than the stock because the stock has been looking terribly weak. I like the fact that you're going out to June so you can capture that earnings. The only thing that troubles me here, $20 out of the money. That's a little bit too far. I would consider buying a longer dated at the money call option and then selling near dated out of the money call options to lower the cost rather than just reaching for that very cheap 150 strike call option. The options market is only saying there's about a 20% chance that that one ends up in the money. Carter, thoughts on Walmart? That's right. So much damage has been done just to be down here at 129. You've left a lot of people trapped above. So even if and as the stock were to recover, you have interested sellers, people who are now underwater looking to recoup losses. And so hmm. it's a long way back to 150. I would uh, do what Mike said. All right. Our next viewer asks, when using deep in the money call options as a stock replacement strategy, is there an optimal percentage to target under the current stock price? Tony, why don't you handle that one? Yeah, so when you're looking at using a deep in money option as a stock replacement strategy, it's better to use delta rather than percentage. The, the delta range that we typically use is about a 60 to 70 delta because then you have a little bit of gamma, which gives you that convexity that you want on an option. All right, you got your answer out there. Time for the final call. Carter Braxton Worth, kick it off. Regional banks have been great, but they're too great. Take profits, sell. Tony Zhang. I'm going apple picking. I'm selling puts on Apple. Mike Coe. Put diagonals in target going into earnings. That does it for us on this Friday on Options Action. We'll be back, of course, next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, do not go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.